Welcome to the Kinetic Belief Podcast. I'm Stephen Canyon, and I'm so excited to champion, encourage, and edify you every day right here. Pushing the boundaries of expectations and rewriting the rules of adventure are the reasons we get up in the morning. This is a way of life, a huge and growing community of explorers and adventurers, leading the way, blazing new trails, and raising the bar. We share your hunger for a life without limits, and we know you'll stop at nothing to get there. So does the law of attraction contradict Christianity? What is the law of attraction? Where does, where does the new age law of attraction even come from? How long have we known about it? Things like that. What does the Bible say about it? Somebody wants to know, is it safe to practice the law of attraction in your life if you are a Christian? Or does the law of attraction miss the mark biblically? What are we even dealing with here? So many questions, so little time. We've got about an hour to get through all this, and I'm going to do my absolute best to do it. Lots of information, lots of amazing facts, lots of amazing statistics, but we're going to plow right through it and uh, and finish all this up in about an hour. Glad to have you back with us today. I'm Stephen Canyon. Kineticbelief.com is the website. Kineticbelief at StephenCanyon.com is uh, the email address where you can reach out to us. So glad you made it in today. Didn't know if you would come in or not. Does a of attraction contradict christianity and there you sit <laughs> well i didn't you. know the title until i got here so there is a reason <laughs> too for late that. to turn back there now you are are you sure this is just an hour or i feel like this is a theological course course <laughs> yeah, load i'm this, signing this up for a, this is gonna be an hour but okay. surprise surprise tag you're it today oh my goodness <laughs> right <laughs> that's just, all I, folks I'm take notes. Uh, <laughs> you know one thing you can say about our podcast we do not shy away from the big topics uh, two days ago we're talking about how much fun. is death an illusion today it's religion well, isn't Let's it? Do you know, it. what do they say? Don't just don't ever talk politics or religion. Stay away from those oh two. Goodness. How about we do both? How about we just jump right in Christianity and law of attraction? Yeah. Try that one on for the size. best conversations are always the ones where you feel like you just sort of dropped dropped a bomb in the middle of, of just everyone. So. <laughs> pull the pin and throw it, and then yeah. run in there and catch it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and run around the room and scream. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, now this is going to be really cool. Um, I've heard a lot of people bring up questions that do connect Christianity and law of attraction. So I'm, I'm fascinated to see what your take is on, on the whole scope of, of these two things. Well, there, you know what, there are a lot of, uh, law of, uh, law of attraction practitioners that really don't understand Christianity and they're, they're uh, Christians that don't understand the law of attraction. And, uh, I think everybody in the categories I just mentioned are going to be somewhat surprised at, um, what we're going to unpack really? today. Okay. Oh, yeah, I think Very so. Cool. Well, well, first of all, understanding Christianity, it, it's, um, it, it is an Abrahamic monotheistic religion, right? And it's based on the, the life and the teaching of Jesus of Nazareth. Well, its followers are known as Christians and have been for 2,000 years now, just over 2,000. And they believe that Jesus is the Christ who's coming as the Messiah, was prophesied in the Hebrew Bible, which is called the Old Testament in Christianity. And uh, it's chronicled in the, the New Testament. But Christianity, is, it is the world's largest religion and has about 2.4 billion followers worldwide. Well, well, just right off the cuff, we uh, just looking at one of the scriptures from the Bible, and this is in, in the book of Matthew. And it says, the Bible says that uh, it will be unto us as we believe. So right there we see in the law of attraction, the principles of law of attraction, there's a substance to what we believe. Uh, that's being drawn into the life of the believer. And so the Bible is saying that it will be unto us as we believe. 
Well, isn't that amazing? And now that principle also, it works in the negative as well as the positive. And we can receive by fear as well as by faith. And if you go back to the Old Testament, you'll see many stories. There's one about Job who uh, the scripture says that what he feared came against him. What was happening? Again, it was being done unto him as he believed. So, so we see all throughout the, 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 uh, the Bible uh, principles of belief, the substance of what people are believing for. Uh, what their faith, the, the essence of their faith is designing and attracting into their lives the thing that they believe. So uh, right there, there's a, a very direct, distinct connection between the law of attraction and, and Christianity. Wow. So we're already seeing a lot of um, commonalities in just the first two things you already mentioned. Right there at the very beginning. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah. so, uh, again, I think what we're going to find out today is that there's so many misconceptions, one about the other and the other about one. And, and not just with Christianity, we, there is no way we can get into all the religions of the world, <laughs> but faith being what it is, yeah. belief being what it is. And uh, I just think what we're actually beginning to tap into here, Megan, is enlightenment. Mm. And I think that it, it is just all the religions of the world advancing toward completion and understanding, coming together. And actually, the Bible even says in the unity of the faith that uh, there will be uh, with the, the Jesus of the Bible, um, it is taught that uh, he's going to return again. But it says in the Bible that Jesus is not going to return or come back to the earth again. Very interesting. Until all come together in unity of belief. Hmm. Now, that's, that's really, and, and I'm not going to say anything else about that except uh, think about it. <laughs> except <laughs> think about it. Just, just saying, think about it. So let's, yeah. wow, you know, let's do some of the comparisons. Okay. Um, does the law of attraction contradict Christianity? Well, you know, there's, I think one thing we should probably do here is, is if you are new to this, what is the law of attraction? What, what are these guys even talking about? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just trying was, to find Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. I was going to say, Rogan. I'm just looking for the Joe Rogan <laughs> what, podcast. What is this? <laughs> what are these guys? <laughs> so, well, well, welcome. <laughs> anyway, we're while glad. we're talking, while you're looking for Joe, hold on just a second. We're talking about the law of attraction. Don't we're you glad, go anywhere. We're glad you're here. The, the law of attraction, it's a, it's a theological and it is a, a philosophical concept which refers to an all-powerful, impersonal, unbiased, universal law that is always working without exceptions. For example, it's, it's the law that determines every moment of your entire life by responding to your thoughts, whether they are positive or whether they're negative. So if your thoughts are positive, it's meant to attract good things or circumstances into your life. But if your thoughts are negative, then it's meant to attract bad things or bad circumstances. So uh, what we have is consequently everybody can use the universal law to uh, create and to dictate the course of their own lives with their thoughts and also with, with the words that they're speaking. So that's the, the thumbnail uh, version of what the law of attraction is that we're, we're discussing. So um, and, and so we're going to hold that up and compare it to Christianity because there always are so many questions that we have. And especially at our, at our master classes, the, the workshops that we conduct, people are, that's sometimes the first place they go and say, well, what, you know, I, I was uh, raised as a Christian and, and mama said I shouldn't be coming down here. And <laughs> what can I, do you, do you have some, a, a brochure I can give her when I go She's back like, home you're going tonight. to that cult again. What? Uh, so. <laughs> um, well, and I was going to ask you too, you just define law of attraction. When you say Christianity, I feel like 
like there are so many different, you know, mental images and versions of Christianity. Is this the religion or the the text or how, how are you sort of approaching that? Oh, boy, that's a great question. The, the perception of what a, a Christian is, and you're, you're absolutely right, it varies so greatly depending on whom you talk to. To some, it means that you were born, a, you were born in a Christian nation, okay? You were, just, you were born in the United States, a Christian nation, or, or to other people, it means that you come from a Christian family. Well, I'm a Christian because Grandma and Grandpa were Christians. Well, and to other people, it means that you, you believe in Jesus, or the religion that is based on Jesus's teachings, and and there are others who use the word Christian to really talk about a deep personal relationship between them and Jesus Christ as an, as an individual and as their Savior. So the biblical definition of what a Christian is, since the Bible is the authority for the Christian faith, well, let's just take a look and see what uh, what it says about the word Christian. It says, first of all, the word is only used, and if you look at it, it's only used three times in the New Testament. And and each time it's used, it's, it's referring to the first Christians of that early church. And they were called Christians because what the Bible says, their behavior, their activity, their speech, the things they talked about and what they did, all of that, were to be like Jesus of the Bible, Jesus Christ. So the word Christian, it actually means followers of, of Christ or belonging to the, the party of Christ, a sect, a group. And that's what made them uh, part of, you know, being the group is they call themselves Christians. So the Bible says that good works, they, um, they do not make us acceptable to God. And that's very clear throughout the Bible. In other words, a person can live to a, a, a really high moral standard. And they can give money to feed the poor. They can go to church, and they do, and they serve their neighbors and do all those nice things. And and yet, um, they're not actually followers, or and they're not yet um, to be a in in Christ according to their own definition, or a Christian just because they're doing those good things. And so, uh, you know, basically, to your point, is there are so many different variations, and and so what I would actually say is that. Out of the 2.1 billion plus Christians around the world, from my own experience, and I would, by the way, I would never, ever pretend to judge any one individual person on their faith. I would never challenge them. I wouldn't say you are not what you say you are or you are what you say. I don't go there, and I wouldn't ever pretend to. But what I would say when looking at the whole in a group, based on their very own definitions that they use, is that most of the world's, uh, or many of the world's Christians that call themselves Christians aren't really Christians. And they have defined themselves as such by uh, secting themselves into smaller groups or their denominations, and they're practicing so many different variations on it. But if you get in there and you actually read their, their doctrinal differences, they're not really based on uh, the belief or faith in Christ and faith in a salvation uh, uh, through Jesus Christ, but their beliefs are still fundamentally based in so many good works that they talk about in their Old Testament. So that, but that's Christianity. You've got a, you've got over a billion uh, in Islam, and uh, I know there's like 900 million practicing Hinduism, and and three or four hundred million Buddhists, and, and all these different different religions. So, and, but the one thing that I do know is that all these religions, what they have in common is something 
um, that's, well, there's really five basic major world religions. There's Christianity, Judaism, there's Buddhism, Hinduism, and Islam. But what they all have in common is this sense of community. It's like joining the club. You know, I, I'm this, I identify, I, I wear the coat and tie, so I'm Baptist. I, I wear this, so I'm this or that. And I, I show up and I go to the services and all those things. So that sense of community provides this, this uh, cohesion and this identity, as well as they, they have the religious rituals and all the, the traditions of men that are passed down from, from generation to generation. So um, everyone has faith in something or someone. An atheist has faith in their, their uh, non-belief. Everybody is a believer. We, we come into this world in, in, the, in the image of a, the, of a creator who, who had a bias for creation that created all of us with an authority and a dominion and the ability to speak and see things done. So everybody has faith in something or someone. Every person lives his or her life based on some sort of belief system. But now what does the Bible say about faith? Well, the, the word faith in the Bible, it actually means belief. It means trust or confidence. So, but now here's the thing. Faith needs an object. It needs something or it needs someone in which they believe or trust or have confidence in. And so God and Jesus is the object of a Christian's faith. All right. So, but now Jesus demonstrated how to use the law of kinetic belief to attract original substance into form, which is so cool. He said that many would follow him in text and scripture and uh, they would follow him doing the same thing. The same works, calling things that be not as though they were and seeing it done on earth and and uh, that what they believed would come for them. He went about and, and the Bible says that he was healing people and he would say, now your faith has made you whole. He didn't say I did it. He didn't say God did it. He said your faith has made you whole. Um, and it actually, the Bible even teaches that your faith is the way to salvation or through faith in Jesus Christ. All those things, you're going back and talking about the law of attraction again. So does the law of attraction contradict Christianity? Well, right now, over 2 billion people that call themselves Christians, and, and I would say that the law of attraction is a contradiction to most people that are religious Christians. It is not the thing that they practice. They, they are not uh, um, uh, living a life of faith based on their beliefs where healing is concerned, mind, body, spirit, and soul. And a lot of the, 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 the world's Christians practicing the religion of Christian will throw themselves at the mercy of just whatever happens is uh, it's their God doing that to them. And so what you end up with is so many different variations of, of who God is. God's a good God, or God's a bad God, or God's a God that's doing the bad things in the world or the good things in the world. And it's all this twisted um, uh, variations on the theme. But the, now the law of attraction, it does not contradict Jesus, Jesus, or it doesn't contradict the Bible at all. So here's the thing. What I'm saying is that the beauty of heaven is seeing God. For the Christian shoemaker does his duty not by putting little crosses on shoes, but by making good shoes, because because God is interested in good craftsmanship. So that's why they they really work hard to be the excellent, most best version of themselves that they can possibly be. So true faith means holding nothing back, and it means putting every hope in in God's fidelity to His promises, and that is really the, the crux of what it means to be a Christian. And that, I think, is where we can start drawing some, some very real comparisons 
between uh, the kinetic believer, the law of attraction, and uh, the Christian faith. And I like how you're already approaching this, that you, you started by really just referencing ancient text. And isn't that always, it seems like that's the best way to approach this, because that is sort of the original intent of the law of attraction. And then you have the original intent of Christianity, because you're so right. I mean, it's so muddled, and it's been just sort of diluted in a million different directions. So just going back to some sort of written ancient text to reference um, that foundation is, is, that's great. That seems like a great um, strategy. (laughs) Well, I think so too. And here's the thing, in my own life, uh, very early on, I had the practical experience of uh, experiencing my belief coming to pass in my life. Well, this was an amazing thing to me as a young boy, four years old, and I'm already told about the law of uh, kinetic belief, law of attraction working, how it works. And so I began practicing it and desiring something, imagining it to see it uh, to come to pass, being uh, thankful for it. And then I would see this, ha- see this happen in my life. Well, and as I grew uh, and, and continued to mature, and I would hear people talk about their faiths and different beliefs and different strategies for life and trying to understand what's beyond this world. I was able to, like you called it, the ancient text of the Bible, go back and start finding very real significant comparisons with my own practical experiences of what I had already lived through. And, oh my goodness, I'm finding out this is the truth of what's happening to me. I understand that there is a substance to the words that I'm speaking, and it's here in this ancient text. I can now see that there is a a very real... Uh, written truth to uh, my belief system working for me. Like I can call something that doesn't exist and I can hold on to that image of that until it comes to pass. And I draw the substance of that image into creation. I have the ability to do that. And then I would find it in the, the, in the text uh, of the Bible. So this is like mind blowing stuff, but back to your point, making these two connections. Now, all of a sudden, Um, it's authenticating what I'm already experiencing in my life. Mm. Do you think um, the law of attraction requires, requires belief in a higher power? It requires, the law of attraction requires belief in belief. It requires, it requires uh, a confidence in your ability to create and, and to see what you're imagining to see because it will work. It, it, it works for you or against you based on whatever you're holding in, in your imagination. Again, going back to the example of Job in the Old Testament, uh, and the Bible said that what he was fearing, those bad things that he was thinking about, meditating on, and holding thought form to came against him. It wasn't his belief in a higher power that caused these bad things. It was his belief in the bad thing that caused those bad things. Um, and, and just like, you know, there, there are many non-Christians or, or people that have just not really ever given it much thought. They go through life, and they're, they're, they're living a, a, a good life to the standards of some that, that hold up, maybe let's just say, money. Well, if you got a lot of money, you're living a good life. Uh, that's not true. But, but somebody that's using that as a definition can look around and see somebody with a lot of money and go, oh, my goodness, you know, that must be a really good person, or at least they're living a good life. Well, it's not based on their belief in a higher power. It's just based on their beliefs. So a good belief, regardless of, of your, your faith in a higher power, will bring good things into your life and in, into your existence. So um, uh, what I do believe is that when you start holding on to the thoughts and aspirations, of good things. And now this is where wisdom comes into play. 
you have to know what good is. You have to know what you what to desire um, to to attract a good thing, mind, body, spirit, and soul, because that's what ultimately is going to lead you to a successful existence. Well, that that requires uh, wisdom and enlightenment to know what to even believe for. It's just like you go back and you ask them, the five-year-old, you know, if you could have anything you want in the world, what do you want for dinner? Well, I want candy, and I want to stay <laughs> up all night, and I want <laughs> and the things that are worse for him because yeah. he's not enlightened. He doesn't have wisdom. He doesn't have the understanding of, of what is best for mm-hmm. him. Um, it seems you were mentioning earlier all the different religions, and it does seem like the law of attraction has its place. Um in almost every religion you can think of, you can sort of piece out the existence of the law of attraction in in any religion I can that I can sort of put my mind to. Um, do you think that everyone is born with some sort of knowing that this is how the universe works? Because if we don't have an innate knowing, I mean, how is this so prolific in in you know? bits and pieces of really what everyone is believing. Absolutely. Everybody has a knowing. I know I had the knowing. You have a knowing. We all have been given a knowing. Now, how do I know that? Well, we were all created in the image of the creator. Now, science has, has begun to prove in this, uh, and it has begun to align itself with the various thought disciplines that already exist in the world. You see, we dwell, we move, and we have our being in this infinite ocean of creative power. And we use this according to our belief system. For example, if we unify ourselves with uh, with this unwavering belief, then we cannot fail to attain a health, a wealth, health, uh, a perfected life. The first step toward acting externally, like you've received your perfected desire, is to act internally, coming in alignment with that with that knowing that we come into this world already possessing like uh, we've received our perfected desire. So the provision for every imaginable need is now going to be contained within the, the, the universe, which means all will be right with the world. So the greater the substance of original creation that is perfected or, or that you come in contact with on the inside, um, and, and just recognizing that it's advancing this world toward perfect completion and that all is right with the universe. You see, that's where we begin aligning ourselves with that original purpose for us to enjoy a perfected life. So, but scientifically speaking, uh, to answer your question about the knowing, now here's, here's the thing that's been revealed. So one, the knowing requires faith or belief, coming in alignment with that, that knowing that we've all been given. The large... Hadron Collider, located near Geneva in Switzerland. It is the most powerful particle accelerator on Earth. But now, while examining the results of the collider experiments back in 2012, researchers confirmed the existence of the God particle. And it blew them away. They, they thought something existed, but they, they weren't really sure. So what happened was they, they, they were actually able to see these uh, evidence of these elementary subatomic particles, such as electrons and protons, receiving their mass from the particle. In other words, where something hadn't existed before, all of a sudden you've got something that's existing. Well, the researchers were, uh, and when you go back and you look and you look in on that event, they were all pretty much speechless <laughs> to discover that the God particle contained the blueprint for all things, which means that the discovery was then pointing to the existence of a creative design for all things prior to the Big Bang. Whoa! 
So what does that mean? Well, the, the scientific search for knowledge, it can, as we know, it, it is a long and it's a difficult road. And, and obviously, they most of the time, they never even get to the end of the road. But the culmination of more than, uh, it was about 20 years of research had attracted the attention of thousands of, of researchers. And the announcement came on July the 4th which I thought was pretty cool, but it was to an audience that had spent their careers searching for that, for that Higgs boson, the, otherwise known as the God particle. But so during this time, the, that large gathering of scientists at the particle physics lab near Geneva, they were so excited waiting for those test results. And then they simultaneously, and I, I saw the video of it, which I thought was pretty cool. They saw that Greek letter sigma indicating that the particle had been found. And, and they all just, they jumped to their feet and they whistled, they cheered, and, the, and there was this huge roar of approval. But what had happened was the proof of the God particle verified that theory that had been drawn up with uh, pen and paper by the, the physicist Peter Higgs, in his office somewhere in Edinburgh you know, nearly a half century ago. But the theory says that elementary particles, like the, the quarks and the electrons inside atoms, it says that they get their mass from this invisible field that stretches throughout all of space. And it does it without something to give particles mass. You see, there, there, would, there would be no stars. There wouldn't be any planets or life as we know it. It's just that the, the physicists and the scientists, researchers, had no idea where mass came from until this until this moment. So the point of discovery left all of them mostly speechless by the evidence of the, the creative force of belief. And the discovery, in fact, as of even today, it's reshaping scientists' understanding how the universe was formed and why it's still expanding. The God particle observation, it also revealed that Again, that pre-Big Bang bias. Bias is the word to underscore here for all of creation. And it's a, a point of, of really previous you know, contention for a lot of these scientists. They were, well, science is preconditioned to skepticism, right? And, and it has, uh, but now what's happened is in just the last half dozen years, science has now conformed um, with the abstract of faith, isn't that amazing? And so we see the scripture of this ancient text that you were talking about now coming into agreement and being aligned with, with that of science for the first time ever. And uh, boy, people are struggling with it, don't know what to do with it. Scientists are scratching their heads, and it's, it's kind of fun to watch. Well, I think that most people are sort of uh, pre-inclined to, to not want things to change. You know, oh, I finally have an understanding. Just don't, don't change it. I finally understand something, you know. <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> like I, I finally <laughs> discovered something. Can we not pull the rug out yet? Mm. Um, but that, that's an interesting take when you start talking about the God particle, because when I think of Christianity, I think of uh, what a lot of people would refer to as something like blind faith, but it is, you know, one million percent really belief based. Um, but then when you think about the law of attraction, it's sort of this like elevated version where it's science and the science is coming into agreement with faith and belief. I mean, how cool to be in a time where you can believe in something, have faith in something, and kind of visualize the scientific process that's happening. That's really interesting, an interesting comparison. I believe that it is all of the world's thought disciplines and science and all of us coming together in the unity of faith, coming together in the unity of belief for the first time. I think that it is part of the evolvement of humanity through the enlightenment of the spirit and uh, versus the natural. And um, 
Galileo said the laws of nature are written in the hand of God in the language of mathematics. Mm. And, and that really does allude to what we were just talking about, where, you know, with when you look at the collider and the God particle and you start piecing all this together, all of a sudden faith and belief seem quantifiable. Like you can actually put a pencil to it and understand it from this completely unique perspective, which for me, when I hear that, I mean, all that does is it just boosts my, my belief in manifesting power, uh, the, the reality of the law of attraction. Um, and so far, it does, it seems that the law of attraction, it does not contradict the original text of Christianity. No, it's a, it is an enlightenment. It is an advancement. And here's the thing, you know, you have so many, you have billions of people in the world's thought disciplines and both religious, philosophical, because they all know, they all have been given a knowing that there's something else. You have th tens of thousands of scientists showing up at the laboratory every day, spending billions of dollars on particle colliders. Why are they doing this? Because they all have been given a knowing that there's more. Mm. You have all yeah. of this. You have science and, and you have the understanding of the law of kinetic belief moving us toward the very substance of what we're believing for, that faith, the essence, the substance of it, drawing mass, critical mass to uh, to the place of being able, you can see it and touch it. It really arranges circumstances according to belief as taught by Jesus, as understood by Muslims, as now uh, discovered by scientists, as talked about by Carl Sagan and Galileo. All of us have been given a knowing and are being drawn to this perfected higher level of enlightenment. So there is something going on and uh, there's something drawing us all to that place where ultimately we will come together in the unity of belief. And until then, those of you practicing the law of attraction can uh, have peace in knowing that, you know what, you are among a select group. You are in a very small percentage on planet Earth that knows that you already know that there's something to my beliefs. There's something to what I feel like uh, uh, belongs to me. There's something to my longings. There's something to, to the, my good nature that doesn't seem to be natural. Well, it's really cool, too, that as a Christian, you can, you know, you can reverse that and say, hey, as a Christian, you don't have to be, the law of attraction is not something to fear. It's not something that's, you know, sort of coming for your truth that you have to worry about. It's, it's very cohesive. Oh, it's a beautiful, you know, belief is belief. There's nothing wrong. In fact, there's everything good with belief. It is, belief is fundamental to the success of an athlete or a businessman or a housewife or a husband or a small child off going off on their first day to school. Belief is what makes uh, the universe so special. I love what you just said. You said belief is belief. And that that's what I was already sort of getting that mental picture when you were describing enlightenment. It does seem like the ultimate enlightenment is is you know sort of this raw pure uh manifesting power belief it's it's void of labels yeah, you know it should be everybody should wants be. to put yeah. everything in a box slice and put it up a, into a label and put your own brand on it yeah let me put a sticker on everything right. like call it a denomination but let all that go mm -hmm. i mean that's 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 fascinating to see yeah. enlightenment that Unity way of faith yeah that's what it is and Interesting. it comes in so many different ways and you know we're enlightened by each other and we speak positivity into each other's lives and edify and encourage and celebrate one another there's serendipitous moments that happen that that, that aren't really by by chance yeah. Uh, your belief in what you're expecting for out of your life will draw 
draw you into the presence of that person that can give it to you, or it is, it's an answer to their own belief. And then that intersection that happens in the universe right here on planet Earth is not just some whimsical, uh, accidental thing that's occurred. Why do you think that so many religious conversations end up end up in this huge conflict um, because what we're talking about right now is really beautiful I mean just coming together with someone to talk about the power of belief is is amazing and is something to even strive for um, but why do you why do you think that is well in co- conflict just simply in its most simplest form is uh, there is no unity and uh, there, there's yeah. there's not an agreement and it's always going to be based in fear mm-hmm. and fear that uh, you'll be right and I'm wrong or I'm <laughs> I'm you know that there's that the differences that they cannot be resolved in any regardless of the topic of the conversation you will not resolve a difference if the platform and the root of that conversation is based in fear when you did start off by talking about how a lot of these sects are are clubs you know and and you can't fault anyone for wanting just to belong even in in belief well, well, you can't fault them, but can you? Because when you know, if it's a yeah. sect you're wanting to join, that means that um, I am identifying with uh, these this few select group, mm. and the rest of you can, you know, take it or leave it. Yeah. And uh, there's no unity in that, and so that's a topic for another day, which uh, would require yeah another hour (laughs) (laughs) a couple a couple more minutes um and also i was just going to ask you um you know christianity is i mean there are so many different perspectives on it right because some people grew up in religion some people have never even been to a, a religious church service you could say um but for the person that is that sort of just sees it as you know let's say they've grown up in religion and they're approaching Christianity from this sort of very heavy, heavy doctrinal place. Um, it seems like it would be a, a hard leap to make to the law of attraction. Well, it, it would be a hard leap. And I think that um, when you look at Jesus of the Bible, and he even said as much. Um, and if you go back and you read some of the New Testament writings and some of the teachings of the prophet Jesus, he said that he could not do anything for the the hypocrisy of the the. Uh, uh, the, the group that were, were leading the church back then. Mm. And uh, he said that in their, their pious hypocrisy, that they were not willing to, to accept the truth of what he was trying, what Jesus was trying to teach. And so there was nothing he could do for them. In other words, there was a sect, and they were all-knowing in their pious belief and their mm-hmm. faith. Um, and that's what—that's the difference between perhaps uh, the, the true essence of Christianity, working and operating in the law of attraction, versus that of the religious traditions of men, where they say, you know, light the candle at this, at this specific time. Uh, this is the cantation, the quotes that we're going to read from now, and, and all the different things that would just kind of tiptoe around the substance and essence of faith, calling things that be not— um, casting down the negative imaginations, yeah. those things that you don't want to attract into your life and that your belief is going to lead you to a sound mind and a healthy body and um, you know, mind, body, spirit, and soul advancing toward perfected completion uh-huh. uh, in the image of the creator who is flawless, who created us without uh, any spiritual or soul uh, birth defects. There are no spiritual birth defects. All of that begins to happen in the process of decay, which is going in the opposite direction of expansion, which has now been proven was the original purpose of all of creation, that the bias of the Creator slung into existence all mass and matter, perfected, 
and uh, there to be the delight of those created in the image of the Creator. As you're teaching the Law of Attraction, you constantly go back to the concept of unconditional love, unconditional loving loving yourself, unconditional love toward other people. Um, does that parlay into Christianity as well? I mean, do you think that that comes from Christianity, or um, what role do you think that love sort of plays in one versus the other. I don't think unconditional love comes from or came from Christianity. I think Christianity sprung from unconditional love and I think many of the world's religions and thought traditions did and I think that Mm -hmm. there are idealistic uh, uh, political preferences that are based in an unconditional love platform. I think that it's part of the universe and I think that it comes from a, a creator who is love who designed all things from the place of love because I know that as an individual creator in the image of that creator that success comes when I am unconditionally loving myself and then I begin to share that uh, same uh, perspective with those around me Mm. not judging anybody else not condemning anyone else and certainly by all means not receiving any condemnation on myself wow that's fascinating so so do you are you saying that you think that Jesus was teaching the law of attraction in a sense, is that Absolutely. what you were saying? He said, he said that, um, he, 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 if you go back and read some of his writings, he would say, your faith or your belief has made you whole, holistic. It has made you perfect. He didn't say that I'd done that. He said, your belief did that. And he even said that there would be uh, many more following in his footsteps, mm. that there would become, uh, there would be many more doing as he was doing. In other words, there would be many to come practicing the power of belief and expectation. You know, the theme I'm getting from you here is don't be afraid of other people's beliefs. Like, I think sometimes that, you know, when when we're discussing religion or beliefs, it's like this sort of fear of being wrong, like you said, does sort of well up. And getting rid of that's a, a big part of enlightenment. Don't be afraid of anything. Fill in the blank. And, yeah. and again, going back to some of the text of the New Testament, uh, even the angels would show up there and, and speak to Mary before the birth of Jesus and say, fear not, fear not. The angels were always saying, fear not. Jesus mm-hmm. continually taught by saying, first of all, fear not. Well, what was he saying? Have no fear. Fear in what? Right. Nothing. Why was he saying that? Now, if you get into the law of attraction and you look at the essence of what fear is, Jesus was basically saying, I cannot or you cannot attract good into your life. You You cannot have a healthy body if you have fear present. Mm. Um, And you go back and you look at what happened to Job. And the Bible said that what he feared came against him. Jesus was just elongating that by saying, fear not. Why? Because something that you're fearing will actually come against you. How is that even possible? Because fear is belief. You are afraid of something. Well, what's happening to anything that you believe, be it a positive thing or a negative thing, you're manifesting that thing. You're drawing that into your life. Jesus was saying, if you fear something, then you're going to draw the essence or the substance of what you're fearing against you. It'll come into your life. What would you say to the person that is listening today? And let's say they are um, currently practicing Christianity and they're saying, you know, yeah, the law of attraction, it it's a part of Christianity, but, you know, the whole point of it is that, I'm only believing in in and or through Jesus. So it doesn't work for anyone who's who's not believing in Jesus. I mean, well, I would say to that person, go back and read your Bible again because Jesus never taught that your your belief would only come through me. Mm. He would he would say it is your belief. You have the power, and you go back to their book of Genesis in the Old Testament, and it says that uh, I think God made covenant through Abraham, and he says, I'm giving you a choice. He says, now you can choose life or you can choose death. 
And uh, there in Deuteronomy, he says, now you can choose the blessing or you can choose the curse. Mm. In other words, uh, God made covenant with man in the Old Testament and said, I'm giving you power. I'm giving you authority as a creator in the earth for you to decide using your belief, the essence and substance of the things you're hoping for. You can decide for good things in this life or you can decide for bad things. God said, I'm not going to intervene. I'm giving that power and that authority and that Mm -hmm. dominion to you in my image for you to make the decisions based on everything in life. That's so, yeah, that's so interesting that when you do take it all the way back to the beginning of the text like that, that really it just goes back to saying... What we always say is that we're all creators and we were created so we can create and we have the power of creation. There it is. So guess what? You're not a victim anymore. You can't blame anybody else the way you were raised. You can't blame the school teacher. You can't blame the bully down the street that threw rocks at you. <laughs> now, they shouldn't have done any of those things. But ultimately, it's going to be what yeah. you say about it, what you believe about it, that's going to lead you to destination. That's always the full circle answer, isn't it? It's what we say about it. Just... You can't you can't tell that to yourself enough. Is what I say about it. It's what it's you what say, I say about, about it. it, and just know that there's support around you, and and it'll show up in just a time of need. There's mm-hmm. always going to be someone else expressing unconditional love, championing you, yeah. uh, edifying you, because that's the way it works. You cannot be putting out these good vibes, good energy, unconditional love without it coming back to you. Uh, there's just this all-knowing power in the universe that comes from our Creator, uh, that we have the ability to receive wisdom from. I uh, I co-hosted a Jerry Lewis telethon back in 1982, and I was with Wesley Ewer. I, you probably don't know who he is. He was an actor and a writer. He was known for the Land of the Lost TV series that was on back in the 70s. And so anyway, we're, we are, uh, we had been at it for a few hours, and I, I remember that there was a law in our... <laughs> In the phone bank, have all these operators up behind us, waiting for the phones to ring, and uh, you know we're on television. We just keep kind of stretching it out. And we're just talking about whatever we could think about to talk about. <laughs> Other I than think, the phones not ringing, <laughs> I think an organist from a local church had just finished playing another hymn or a song or something. Or somebody juggled, or oh, I don't funny. remember what it was, but. Um, we we're talking and we we're like, come on, you know, somebody's going to call. I just believe you know, the phone's going to ring any minute yeah, now. Yeah. And sure enough, ring-a-ding-ding, there's one of the phones right in the center of the phone banks. Yeah. And, you attracted and it. And so we attracted it. Yeah. And we got a phone call. And, um, and I turned around and, and I go over there with a the microphone to interview the, 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 the woman who take, took the call and said, so, so who have we got here on the phone? And she, <laughs> she looked up at me and she said, it's your mom. <laughs> <laughs> so love had tracked me down and found she's oh she said oh i didn't know i was going to be on i just saw the number on the television screen and i wanted to call you and tell you yeah i love you i you miss look you great. And come, come home and see me sometimes <laughs> oh my god she's like honey you look it'll, so good it'll hunt you down <laughs> wherever you go mom love uh, hunt you down oh gosh that's ridiculous <laughs> oh that's so funny what um what role do you think family has in you know, just talking about your mom made me think of this question. And I know that when I was growing up, you know, family defined my beliefs in in a huge way. Um, Do you think that religion, law of attraction, whatever, do you think that there will always come a point in time where you really just have to like basically start from total scratch where your beliefs are concerned? 
um, even if you're right, do you still sort of have to always go back to 101? Because I think we all reach that place where we say, well, you know, I know what I've been told and I know that was ingrained in me, whatever that may be. But do you just have to start over no matter what? Yeah, there's something called an age of accountability where, you know, family is going to be partly responsible for exposing us to many of the things that, you know, we are having a practical experience with. And that's all fine and good. They keep you from being hit by a car. Uh, <laughs> they they uh, make sure you, you brush your teeth and, you know, you go to school and all these things and, and uh, that, are, that are supposedly good for you. And that's all fine and well. And um, and often we are also exposed to various uh, ideas of religion and uh, different faiths and denominations and all this. And that's also good. And it's the way it's supposed to be. But then an age of accountability comes along that says, you know what? You are responsible. Now, you need to decide based on your own experiences, also based on the essence of who you are. You are a unique individual. You were created like no one else. And so you take the information that you've been exposed to, that's been programmed into you, and you're able to sort through that, idealistically finding uh, those, those components that match and fit the, the, uh, the person that you are and you were put here to be. And then you have a responsibility, and if we were go, going back to the, the writings in Deuteronomy, to cast down or cast away those things that don't belong to you or are not part of you, not the essence of who you are. It's not to say that what mom and dad thought or are doing or have done is wrong or right is not to judge those things, but it's to say, who am I? What is right and correct for me? And then come in tune with, in contact with, and don't deny the essence of that and start walking in, first of all, fundamentally practicing the power of belief for yourself. And even before you attach it to anything or anybody else, practice the power of belief. Straighten your life out. Stop being a victim. Pick yourself up to become somebody that you're supposed to be and stop allowing other people to walk on you, tread on you, uh, use you as a whipping post, whatever it is, and stop being a victim and receiving condemnation and all of that junk. Take responsibility for the better you. And then we need to get busy with uh, seeking wisdom and enlightenment on who we're supposed to be spiritually as well. Does the journey to enlightenment ever end even even when we leave the physical? Do you think that journey ever that we ever reach some sort of pinnacle? That's the beauty of all of this. You will never stop um, growing and developing. We are eternal beings, and the purpose of our existence, just like the Creator designed, is to always be growing in enlightenment. There's always, we're always going to be growing toward the, the power of light, the energy of light, where all information is contained therein. Well, there is an unveiling in layers eternally that we will be drawn toward of information and wisdom that delights the soul as we begin continually evolve as spiritual beings even while here in the land of the living having a natural experience the delight to the soul always comes through understanding more about who we are why we're here whose we are what we're supposed to be doing as we uh, become more enlightened about our, our creative giftings, and you grow in that ability because you're practicing it, and you're not looking for handouts, you're not looking for others to define you. And so that process absolutely goes to the core, the essence of an advancing mind, body, spirit, and soul toward completion. That completion is, is 
going to continually be out there as we are drawn toward it, moving toward it, experiencing it. Going back to the some of the words in the the uh, the Bible, it actually says in one of the books that the angels, there are angels that are encircling the God of Abraham, and their purpose is continually forever. It says they would as they would look upon the deity of God, they would see something new. And they bow their heads and go, he is holy, holy, holy. So there's evidence right there, even in the Bible, that we're always going to be graduating towards something more magnificent than what we are experiencing today. Isn't that what keeps life so exciting, too, and satisfying? Because I think if we ever did reach that pinnacle, it would be so boring. You know, just, okay, I'm here. Now what? Right. I just yeah. sit here for a millennia. Round robin existence. Being a genius eternal. for oh, a millennia. Talk about waterboarding, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, and that variety of thought and growth and belief is so satisfying. And I have to say, spiritually, when you do get that new truth or you get a new nugget or a lot of times you'll call it revelation knowledge. You know, it's something that is it almost feels magically revealed on the inside of you when you really get those truths. There's nothing more exciting. I mean, you because you really feel like that knowledge is going to allow you to be this better version of yourself. You know, I always see it as like a, I'm like Megan 3.0 or 2.0 or whatever, you know, but it's like, you're always like, you know, sort of like editing and then releasing these new versions of yourself. And, and that's fun though. I think that, I just think that's a blast to learn those things and, and actually be able to progress yourself in that direction toward that higher knowing of yourself and really the whole world, the universe. One phrase that you used there was revelation knowledge. And that simply is another way of saying something becomes you. For example, we talk about um, the other day. We were talking about joy and tr- how to how, and how to find or attract joy into your life. Well, you see yourself as being joy. What they, oh, another another way of what we're saying, uh, seeing yourself as joy is, and understanding that is the revelation knowledge, or you become joy. You be, you are wealth. You are happiness. You are perfected health. You are these things. And as you become these things, that's the revelation knowledge of the information becoming you. So when it becomes you, you're no longer seeking to have something that you are. You are love. So you're not trying to find love. You're already using kinetic belief. Everybody that's listening right now to this podcast or using the kinetic belief guided journal. And as you listen here, or as you read through the book, um, it's, that's your desire. And that's why you're doing it. Your imagination, it can cause you to adhere to and rely on what you're hearing today, uh, or what you are reading and practicing through the guided journal. So the fuel to keep going is going to be the sense of relief as you are hearing what we're talking, Megan and I are talking about today. It's creating this vacuum in your belief system where the relief to the desire now that is growing and welling up on the inside of you is going to be the result. It's going to be the ability to do and have anything that you desire, anything that you are desiring right now. That that desire for it to come into your life is creating a vacuum which the universe, the substance for your belief, will move in to bring that sense of relief into that place of desire. So contrary to what most people think, there, is, there are no real life obstacles at all to a heart's desire. 
the answer to why most people just don't live the kind of life that they they dream of is actually it's pretty simple and it's just that most people don't really try and uh and those that do try are so easily deceived that they just quit they give up things got hard or somebody comes in and says well you're just a fool for trying that so they they toss the the journal away or they stop listening to the podcast and they just give up this podcast, here's something about it that you may not know. We, we produce this podcast for those who want to realize their heart's desire. Um, the, those that want to have their, their dreams while here in the land of the living realized. That's why we do what we do. Now, and this may sound strange, but if you are willing to attract a prosperous lifestyle where you are just richly favored in your mind, your body, your spirit, and your soul, then I'm telling you that the law of kinetic belief is for you. However, there is going to be a catch to this. You've got to be willing. Boy, that's a big, small word. You have to be willing. Before you mentally agree, and you're listening to this, and you're, you're probably going, this just really feels good. I'm pretty uh, jacked up about all this now. But now listen, before you agree that you're willing, think about the word willing, because it means that you are ready, eager, and you are prepared to do this. Now, you may be ready, you may be eager and excited, but you're probably not yet prepared. As the saying goes, wisdom is knowing what to do next. Skill is knowing how to do it, and virtue is knowing to do it. In other words, be willing to focus on you because it's the right thing to do. The law of kinetic belief does the work of your belief, and you'll not have to be faster. You're not going to have to be stronger or smarter, but you will need to adopt a a, a childlike belief system, and that may be just a little bit challenging at first. Maybe it's been a while since you were a child. However, living life this way agrees with optimistic happiness. It agrees with joy. It agrees with life and the desire for more. It agrees with loving yourself. It agrees with loving those around you. It agrees with that knowing that's already been placed on the inside of you that, yes, you are special. You are uh, supposed to be a delight to those around you. You're supposed to have an abundant lifestyle. You're supposed to be able to attract the essence of whatever your heart's desire is so that you can use it for good for others and you can use it for your own good and so that you can be an expression creatively of the essence of who you're meant to be. I have to say that um, when I am pondering these things and listening to you teach and reading books that I have a certain level of understanding, um, but I do, I do get the sense that you always have this sort of additional level of enlightenment that comes when you're answering questions that I have or when you're just teaching. Um, where do you think that, are you channeling that from somewhere? Is that something that you've naturally always had? Because, you know, I do absolutely know and believe that your knowledge, your wisdom, it is on a higher plane. It is coming from somewhere that it feels like it's coming from an additional place that a lot of us don't necessarily have access to. Well, you do have to change your lens for living, your lens for life. And it starts with a meditative practice of seeing that, you know what, and, and convincing yourself and believing and deluding yourself, d deluding only to the place that you're denying what you see to be corruptive. You're saying that, you know what, all is right with the world. Now, somebody might have just heard that and go, well, this guy's crazy. Well, no, no, wait a minute. 
All is right with the world. Listen to me for just a minute. It is perfect, and it is advancing toward completion. And what I'm going to do and what I do is I contemplate the facts of social and and political and uh, industrial life only from this high viewpoint. You've got to get out of the gutter and get out of that ditch and climb up there to this high viewpoint of all things and let that be your lens for understanding the things we're talking about. And and say it to yourself and write this down and journal it that all is, uh, 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 it's all very good. Everything is good. And I'm going to see all human beings, all of my acquaintances, all of my friends, my neighbors, uh, and, and uh, the members of my own family, my household, and I'm going to see everybody the same way. They are all good. Nothing is wrong with the universe. Nothing can be wrong with anything, my friends or anybody. No, nothing can be wrong with the, the political uh, status of any country in the world. Nothing is wrong, but my own personal attitude, if anything is wrong. So therefore, I keep that right. I keep my personal attitude right. I see things correctly. I see the good in all. I see the good in, in nature and the good in in the, the universe. My whole trust now, you see, I'm putting it over in love. And it's beginning with myself. I see myself as perfectly made, unconditionally loving myself, loving the, the, uh, my, my body type, my hair, my face, my, my personality, loving everything about me unconditionally, not condemning myself for anything. All is well with me. And then I turn that outward. The inward expression is, is one for unconditional love. Unconditional loving now, all that is around me, all of creation, all is right with the world, and everything is perfect and advancing toward completion. Not only myself, but nature is advancing toward completion. People around me advancing toward completion. See, this is a process that we were talking about earlier that's going to go right on beyond the land of the living, right on beyond today as it is now. Advancing, moving, expanding toward completion. So where it is right now is okay. Just like if you go back and you look at the caveman, the cave woman living in the cave doing things that we would just think are animalistic and horrible. It was all right with them for that time when they were in that cave and they were advancing toward completion. Their offspring advanced, their offspring advanced, and today here we are, all is well, advancing toward completion, and our offspring will advance, and so goes the cycle. So rather than living a life of condemnation and judgment and negativity, negative energy and fearing different things, and all having all of that come against me, and as a result, looking around in my life and seeing things broken and missing and disgusted with this and sick in my body with this and diseased by that and sickened by these other things and listening to the judgment of other people and fearing the economy and fearing our government and fearing the climate and all this stuff having that come against me to the point of destroying the essence of who I am uh, and shortening my life expectancy on this planet. I choose to do the other and see the good and expand and grow and develop and walk in the enlightenment place of love, loving all there is so that I can attract those good things and that perfected health into my own life. Not having had a cold in over 20 years, I don't get sick and I am healthy and I can play music and I write music and I can build businesses and I can attract wealth and great friends and, and, and live in harmony and peace with myself and with the universe. Why? Because I'm seeing that all is well and my whole trust is in love.
Wow, we've been talking today about does the law of attraction contradict Christianity? And frankly, I think I feel like we answered it, but I also feel like we could have just gone on and on and on for many, like 10 more episodes. There's so much <laughs> no in doubt. this topic. We did cover a lot, though. We sure did. We sure did. And and there's so much that we could. But, you know, I feel like we could we could go for days and days and days. <laughs> Our conversation. Well, my understanding so is we, we will be back again tomorrow. Doing well, that's just true. That. That's true. Um, tomorrow is going to be something about music. I don't know the full top the full topic yet but i'm i'm excited to know where that Ooh. goes i love talking about music That's gonna be nice. it is powerful yeah. it's it's very yeah. powerful yeah. um yes yeah, so this has been wonderful today um what a what a fascinating topic and and i love that we just dove in and went for it you know and and i I like to think that I feel like I, I gained some deeper understanding of all the different labels and topics and the way that it all sort of intertwines together. And and I even see enlightenment in a different way. It's manifesting and you hold that desire and you continue to be great, uh, grateful for it coming to pass. Work on that thought form. Don't let it fall to the wayside and make sure you're journaling these ideas as they come. Mm. Your genius within you, those ideas are coming from the substance of your hopes and your dreams and aspirations and your desires. Don't let them just flitter on by. You've got to journal these when they show up so that you can continue to revisit them day after day and create a continuum of thought while holding that thought form through to completion. And then part of that also is, is, as we know, just being grateful and affirming that. Mm-hmm. Words are things, so you've got to speak <laughs> your, your gracious, yeah. uh, grateful affirmations. In fact, say this right now. Say, I am perfectly made. I'm perfectly made. With rightful desires. With rightful desires. The, the longings of my soul. The longings of my require soul. Require that I creatively attract. Require that I creatively attract. What I desire. What I desire. I'm grateful that I have. I'm grateful that I have. I'm so grateful to know. I'm grateful to know. The creator that's in me. The creator that's in me. With a power to live the life I desire. With a power to live the life I desire. I'm also grateful for the wisdom. I'm also grateful for the wisdom. That comes with casting down negative imaginations. That comes with casting down negative imaginations. That's the way it works. And that's the way it works. (laughs) That's so good, isn't it? I feel better already. Oh, I just, it just wells up on the inside of you. Those words are things. They really are. There's a (laughs) substance in them. They really are. And if you don't think they are, you know, there's so much truth to every person is if you look around and what you see you're living a life of what you've been speaking yeah well i've been speaking that we're going to be in new york in january and march so i think we'll probably show up there i think we will too <laughs> Go, you can yeah. uh, check it out as they're posted on the website to find out what the dates are where they are that yeah. we're going to be doing our master class the workshops for the uh, kinetic belief law yeah. of attraction we're going to be posting more dates as those become available so keep checking the website we're going to be doing dallas houston um, we're even looking at some areas in, in arizona and the uk as well that's kineticbelief.com and you can also check out the 100 day challenge the guided journal there as well uh, Christmas is coming up and that's a wonderful gift it's a it's a really nice gentle overview as well so it's one of those gifts where if you give it to someone they're not going to go well what do you mean by that why do you think I need this no they're going to see it as this really beautiful finely illustrated gift um, it's it's a beautiful beautiful item well it's a book that I wrote and it's really taking all the things that we talk about and it's just the meat of it and uh, what I did is took the book and just created it into a guided 100 day guided journal and it works and I actually started out as a challenge because that's you know I know it works I've done it in my entire life and so if you are uh, using the the uh, 
practical expression of belief through the process of guided journaling where you are meditating on these principles to understand and to believe, to strengthen up your belief and hold that thought form through to completion, it works. It works for healing your body. It works for getting a better job, attracting money, changing your life, your relationships, whatever it is you're desiring, guided journaling works. And this is really cool because I have to say when I, I love anything interactive because even when I just am reading just a regular book, I'm writing in it. I'm writing in the margins, I'm highlighting. And so I feel like this is the perfect combo of book and room to journal and put your thoughts down. And it's this great integrative process for not just teaching you how to manifest, but sort of like seeing it happen as you go along. And hey, it's a hundred days. We can do anything. I could be you know, I could be vegetarian for 100 days <laughs> if I had to. <laughs> you can do anything for 100 days. <laughs> uh, what is it? We, we, uh, we, a waitress came up the other day, and she you know, we were talking about being uh, gluten-free. Oh and she's, what did she say? She said, uh, my, uh, I became a Presbyterian for a year for no. my husband. No, she said I became a pescatarian. I thought she said Presbyterian. No. <laughs> oh, well, that's, I, sh- well, I said, you, she, I said, you should have tried Methodist. It's be a lot did. easier. <laughs> she did seem really confused. Oh, that's what she said. Oh, oh, my, goodness. oh my goodness. Well, so much. <laughs> We're so glad to have had you back with us again today. I'm Stephen Canyon, and we'll see yeah. you back here tomorrow. Okay. See you then. This has been great. Bye.